This is the On The Touchline podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. In episode 10 of the On The Touchline podcast, I talked to soccer coach Nick Holt of Trustville, Alabama. More on Nick and his coaching story shortly. A friendly reminder that this is a listener-supported podcast, and you can support the On The Touchline podcast in one of two ways. One, by going to anchor.fm slash on the touchline and making a small monthly contribution to the show. That would mean the world if you're able to do that. Details will be coming soon as to what that monthly contribution will get you as a listener to this show. So stay tuned for that. Uh, The second way is by sharing the show on social media. And thus far, uh, you have been absolutely tremendous of sharing the show with friends, fellow coaches, players, and influencers in the soccer community. When you share it out on any social media platform, make sure that you use the hashtag on the touchline and you can tag me at any time uh, at SoccerCoachJB. That is on Twitter and also on Instagram. If you subscribe via Apple Podcast, make sure that you leave a five-star rating and a review and continue to help uh, push us up the podcast rankings for fellow soccer coaches, players, and influencers in the game of soccer. I've said it many, many times that I started this podcast for a number of reasons. Uh, One of the reasons is the love of soccer that all of us share. It's also to give you a glimpse in the everyday men and women, players, coaches, influencers in the game of soccer that are truly just grinding it out to make it to the next level. Nick Holt is a fantastic example of what it means to grind it out. Like many coaches, Nick has a number of teams that he works with and oversees. In fact, there are four, uh, at least according to his Twitter profile. Uh, Alabama FC on the ECNL girls' side, Birmingham United also on the girls' side, and he's both the boys and girls' head coach of Hewitt Trustville Varsity in Trustville, Alabama. I'm sure Nick is a very, very busy man. Nick is also a graduate of the University of Alabama, and knowing that he is a massive American football fan, I did promise him that I would work a roll tide into this particular episode. So Nick, there you go. I really enjoyed talking to Nick for a number of reasons. His incredibly positive nature is infectious, and I think you'll pick up on that right away early on in our conversation. He also goes into detail about the debate between playing high school versus playing club, and which one of those is best for a player. He coaches in both environments, and I think gives a pretty honest opinion as to what he thinks would be a best decision for a men's or women's soccer player. Nick also talks about something that is a bit of a taboo, and I'm really appreciative that he broached the subject. Nick talks about coaching egos and how they sometimes get in the way of us as coaches and hold us back from truly being the best versions of ourselves and advancing the game collectively. It turns into more of I versus we. Okay, enough of me. 
Let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with soccer coach Nick Holt. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the latest episode of the uh, of On the Touchline, and uh, I'm glad that you and I have been able to connect and been following your work on on social media. And so, for, yeah, so for folks who who don't know uh, your story, um, tell us a little bit about how you've gotten to where you are in your soccer journey as a coach. Absolutely. Um, so I, I grew up, like I said, in Birmingham playing. Um, was lucky enough to play for some phenomenal coaches that, you know, have influenced me and inspired me pretty much since, you know, I was four years old up until now. Um, so I went to Bellhaven University, the only soccer scholarship. Um, things just did not work out there as a player. Um, it was nothing as far as, you know, um, with coaching or anything or my experience. I enjoyed my experience. I just realized that, you know, it just was not for me. Uh, the college grind was not for me. Um, so quickly from there, I decided I wanted to get into coaching. Um, again, thanks to those coaches, you know, who have inspired me and influenced me um, as a kid. So from there, I transferred from Bellhaven University and I went to um, Alabama, uh, Roll Tide. Uh, started getting into coaching there. Uh, my first year, I ended up taking my e-license, um, passing that, of course. And once I did that, I started coaching for, with Tuscaloosa United. I'm a local soccer club in Tuscaloosa. I was able to coach a boys team there. Um, and then from to the high school realm, I was an assistant coach for American Christian Academy for a year. Um, and the next year I went from assistant coach to coaching the varsity girls and the varsity boys all while kickstarting a JV program. Um, so a lot of responsibility there. Uh, and then from there, I ended up moving back home to Birmingham um, once I graduated and took a job with where I am now at here at Trussell High School. Um, we're a 7A school on the eastern side of, um, of Birmingham and phenomenal kids, phenomenal family. I, I love being a part of the program there at Hewitt. Um, we do compete in the highest classification. Um, so it, it, it is challenging, and I, I love being around them. And on top of that, of course, I am coaching at Birmingham United Soccer Association, um, where I coach the ECNL Composite Girls, and the 04 girls this past season um, who both had successful seasons and, you know, I truly do enjoy it. Um, so I'm very thankful for my opportunities and that's pretty much my journey, how I got into coaching. Um, really, honestly, I was very, I'm very thankful for American Christian Academy and, and Rob Kane. And I'm very thankful for Joel Pearson. Um, he gave me the opportunity to coach club at Tuscaloosa United and kind of kickstarted my career. And I'm just, again, thankful for them and, Pretty much here. Here's where I am now. Uh, six years later, um, entering my sixth year of coaching. I'm tw- I'm 25. A lot of people think I'm a lot older than that, but I'm not. <laughs> so uh, I'm only 25. I started coaching when I was you know 18 and 19. So that's pretty much how I got here. That's awesome. You've uh, had a wealth of uh, experiences already, and uh, I'd say sky's the limit in terms of uh, you know where you can go from here. That that's uh, that's really great. Um, Absolutely. So how, how have those experiences uh, that you've had from, um, you know, uh, playing experiences to uh, being around the folks at the University of Alabama to, you know, club to high school, JV, um, how has that shaped your philosophy uh, as a coach? Yeah, so the biggest thing for me, I preach to all my teams is, you know, being a family um, team over everything. And for me, it's an opportunity not to know, not to just be around the 
a lovely game, but an opportunity to, you know, invest and, you know, build up the next generation. Um, for me as a player, you know, my high school basketball coach and my club soccer coach, who it's funny, I actually co- I coach with him now um, at Busa, but, you know, he always, you know, preached being a team and, you know, he was always checking in on me and always wanted me to be successful. So I kind of, you know, got my philosophy from there. Um, and I think uh, the reason why, you know, not to you know, pat myself on the back or say I'm doing a fantastic job or have the right way of doing it, I think the reason why a lot of my teams have success is they are a team. They are a family both on and off the field. Uh, we, we preach being one, you know, and that is something that's very important for me. I, especially I coach the girls, you know, we, we don't deal with the drama. We try to nick out all the negativity and things of that nature. Um, so, again, family – um, being one, being united—that that's something I really harp on. Um, we do a, I do a lot of team building stuff, off the field stuff. We're at a showcase, we're at a tournament. We're you know we're hanging out, we're going to get food, um, being silly, whatever it may be. You know, in practice we may start off with a fun game, or I implemented a section of my training session called walk and talk um, this past season with my teams and clubs. And that's literally where I just literally I walk away and I tell them get in groups of two or three. And honestly, walking around the field and they talk about their day, their life, they're struggling with what school, if, you know, if it's girls are struggling with boys, whatever it may be, or they're struggling with this in soccer and they feel like they, you know, feel like they're not getting better in a certain aspect of the game. They can talk about those things and talk about, you know, reflect on how they thought they did individually this past weekend or as a team. So, again, I feel like teams are successful you know, when they do come together, they do work together, and the technical and tactical stuff can come later. But if you have a team of a bunch of individuals, um, it doesn't matter, you know, if you've got kids who are going to go off and play, you know, Division One at Duke or Wake Forest, North Carolina, wherever, um, as long as if they can't grasp that and come together, you're not going to be successful. So that's something that I harp on and preach about constantly. I'm sure my kids get tired of hearing me talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but I was going to say, I, I think sometimes when, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I can tell you're really passionate about sort of the family and sort of about, uh, you know, creating that culture uh, within Absolutely. Team or, you know, an organization that's, uh, that's positive and, and kids want to come back to. And I guess my follow-up question to that is how has that been received uh, amongst your players, uh, male or female? Absolutely. Well, at first, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, especially if it's a new club team and you know, I haven't played together before, and it's kind of like, eh, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, but once they, you know, kind of warm up to one another and kind of get saying, hey, you know, I, I can't trust you or whatever, it, it does work out perfectly. Um, I, I tell you a big thing from, I guess a big example from that is my 04 girls team um, this past year. You know, if you look at them, we walk up to the field, a lot of players – teams are probably like oh we're about to you know beat this team wipe them off the floor but I think for them you know they went you know and had a successful year year this past year gave up one goal in their league and ended up winning the state championship and now they're about to you know go over to regionals um in in the summer um I think what the biggest thing for them being successful is they were one and they were you know there was no drama um there were no bad attitudes and you know in sessions they were very welcoming of me and their teammates and new ideas so I really think you know once they do buy into that it does pay off um, 
I'm very thankful for the parents I've had, you know, as far as, you know, coaching, being around them and allowing me to coach their kids. They've been very welcoming to that. Um, and especially, again, in this day and age where there's so much where kids have to deal with outside of the field as far as school. And I mean, you, and we know what everything that the high school kids, they have, they have to deal with these days. Um, so once they come to soccer um, and train and play games, that's, that's their outlet. Um, for a lot of things. And so I really harp on that and, you know, saying, Hey, if we can be a family, we can be successful. So, so far, so good. In my six years, everyone has you know, seen the grasp of that. And again, that's, I, I contribute a lot of our success to that. One of the, uh, the themes that's come up in this podcast of uh, the various coaches that I've talked to and, you know, folks all over the country is really this idea that, um, you know, uh, yes, we're teaching folks soccer, but it's really more about life. And uh, absolutely. I, I love what you said there, that soccer can be an outlet, um, you know, teach kids about perseverance and uh, character and, uh, you know, even the little things of showing up on time, working hard. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, uh, it, it really ingrains some of those sort of life skills in, uh, in players. So I, th- I think that's fantastic. Um, so it, it's really interesting to me when I talk to coaches and they have shared with me the positive experience they've had from previous coaches uh, along the way. So it could absolutely, be, you know, folks you had when you were a, a young man to, um, you know, the, the high school level, the club level, college level, whatever it may be, because that's so counter to uh, the coaching experience I had growing up. Um, I always tell folks, Nick, that I could literally count on one hand um, and it's probably one or two people and not necessarily soccer related um, that had an influence on me, you know, yeah. that were former coaches of mine. And so I'm, I'm curious as to what those folks did uh, or those coaches did uh, that made such a, a positive impact on you um, as a young person. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, you know, on the soccer side, I grew up, um, I was a late bloomer to the club side. I'll be honest. Um, high school was kind of my thing. So, you know, I don't, I don't want to get in the high school club debate, but I enjoyed high school a lot. Um, so again, I was a late bloomer to club. Um, and I'll say his name. I mean, Ray Boyd, when he took me underneath his wing in high school and just, you know, constantly I struggled as far as I, I played the nine, I played, played up top and, I kind of struggled as far as moving off the ball, when to make the proper runs, and that thing of the nature, because I was just used to, you know, using my athletic ability and outrunning everyone or, you know, being the strongest kid on the field. Um, His constant encouragement and belief in me and challenging me daily on whether I was, you know, accepting of it or not um, is something I will never forget. Um, Not even in soccer, you know, I had a coach in basketball. His name is Coach Allen. Unfortunately, he lost the battle to cancer in 2012. Um, But when I went off to Belhaven to, you know, play soccer, I will be honest, like the first day I was ready to come home. Uh, (laughs) I was just not having it. Um, I I felt like I struggled. I I wasn't fit enough um, because I kind of messed around that summer um, before preseason. But even then, I'm not even his player anymore. Um, and he's constantly encouraging me, constantly saying, hey, you can do it, constantly saying, hey, you know what, in life, t- times are going to be tough. You got to push through. Um, you can't quit. Um, you, you have to keep pushing yourself. And a lot of the things that I say to my kids, I get from Coach Allen and, you know, um, Coach Boyd um, when I played club from him. And, it, and again, it's just about life. A lot of kids, you know, 
I've seen it firsthand with my high school kids. We started training at 530 in the morning. They're not used to that. <laughs> They're not used to being up early and, you know, getting to work on time. You know, I always say early is on time, on time's late. Um, and those small details and things matter, absolutely, especially when you get to life. Uh, and when you get to a job, you can't just wake up and say, oh, I don't feel like doing it today and just call in work every single time you don't feel like it. Um, you got to push through those tough times. And, you know, I won't get too much into it. I, I did have a couple of tough times to where I was like, okay, I'm done with about everything, including life. Um, and those coaches, you know, pushed me to be you know, the person I am today. Um, so I kind of want to relay those experiences and, you know, philosophy to my players I have today. I was going to say for uh, anybody that's listening to this, uh, go back and replay that segment because uh, they're wholly inspiring, man. <laughs> uh, I'm like, man, I, I want to go, uh, I want to go like start running, uh, you know, do the beep test or, or something like that in my, in my backyard to, uh, to get going here, man. That's awesome. Uh, absolutely. I, I absolutely love that. Uh, your, your passion and, uh, you know, as we talked before, man, it's so much more about life than, um, Absolutely. you know, than, than just soccer for, for itself. You mentioned something earlier that um, if, if we want to go there, that's okay. And if not, Absolutely. That, that's okay too, because it, it's interesting to me that we have a similar conversation here where I live in the Pittsburgh area and uh, about club versus high school. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and I have a feeling this is probably a nationwide thing yeah absolutely um because i i have friends that uh you know are are in both uh you know areas of soccer um you know i'm i'm in the club level but at a younger age um but have you know good friends that have coached high school my my coaching partner currently was a former high school coach and has told me you know there's probably going to come a day in time where he gets back into doing both so what is that like and how do you explain that i guess to a player or even to a parent to uh, you know, maybe educate them um, on differences, similarities, because, you know, uh, I, I'm a very big believer that, you know, a player truly has to find their own path. And absolutely, if everybody and their brother is going, you know, the, the high school route or everybody and their brother is going the club route, but yeah. if a player doesn't quite feel that that's best for them, it's okay to go against the grain. It's okay Absolutely. to, you know, find your way, so to speak. And, um, you know, rather than get into the debate of which is better and, you know, that sort of thing, because I, I you know, I don't know if there's a, a really good answer there, but well, uh, yeah, how do you educate uh, the, the consumer, uh, you know, from your perspective? Yeah, well, my, my thing is, is sometimes, you know, as coaches, we just kind of let our egos get in the way um, of, of what's best for the kids and what's best for their families. Um. I have no issue, like I said, with my players' club, you know, because I, you know, I do coach an East Oakland Composite team. I have no issue with them playing high school. Um, I have no issue with my high school players playing club. Um, luckily enough, a lot of my high school players play for different cl local clubs. Um, but at the end of the day, it's what's best for them. Um, I will say the high school product has gotten a lot better um, here locally over the past few years. And at the end of the day, it just boils boys, boys down to coaching um, as far as, as which side is better. I can't really say because, you know, I go, for example, I go to Disney Showcase and, you know, one of my opponents is constantly just playing kaboom ball. <laughs> That's what I call it. I mean, just kicking the ball over the top mm -hmm. for 90 minutes. 
Um, and you go to some high school games where, you know, for example, I, I applied, you know, Vestavia Hills High School here or in Birmingham or McGill Tulin in Alabama and down in the Mobile, Mobile area where they play the right way. Um, they're possessing the ball, you know, they're trying to build out the bag, you know, they're trying to find feet. They're not just kicking it and, you know, and running. Um, so there, there's negatives on both sides, both sides. Um, there's coaches on both sides that don't want to, you know, learn. There's coaches that are stuck in their old ways. Well, Hey, I've been winning, you know, kicking the ball over the top to the football player who plays in the spring to stay healthy or you know, stay fit. And it's been working. So why would I stop from that? Um, but again, we have to let our egos go and push those to the side. Um, I think again, high school is, there's nothing more awesome than representing your community. There's no, nothing more awesome than having your, you know, classmates coming out to a game in the weekday. And, you know, a lot of kids love it because it's not as demanding or as stressful as club. Um, where you're going to showcases and there's college coaches there and you're constantly being reminded of that. I mean, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's awesome that college coaches are in attendance, but a lot of times, you know, with players who, you know, who want to be successful, that that's a lot of pressure. Um, when, the, especially at the ECNL or the DA level, wherever it may be, um, it's a lot, honestly, it's a lot on families as far as finances or um, travel or whatever. And, uh, you know, I can't, as a coach, if a player comes to me and says, hey, I want to focus on high school, I'm not going to say, hey, that's stupid. Why would you do that? The quality's worse. You know, um, I, I think both of them are beneficial. Um, is there improvements that are needed on both sides? Absolutely. Um, but as far as we're not going to get anywhere in the country uh, as the game developing, if we just continuously just, you know, if it's ECNL versus DA, if it's club versus high school, like we're not going to get to where we need to be if we can't all come together and, you know, um, focus on the task at hand is that that's improving this game, improving the game of soccer. And it's about the kids. It's not about us. Um, and I think we can get there one day. Again, I think the relationship between high school and clubs has gotten a lot better. Um, and, Luckily enough, I, I can't speak for everyone else, everywhere else, but in Birmingham, a lot of, for the larger schools, for the most part, a lot of the coaches do coach club as well. Um, so that kind of helps as far as, you know, if parents are really skeptical about the coaching on the high school side or, or vice versa. Um, and uh, Alabama, the state of Alabama, has started an, altern- an alternate uh, program if they don't want to play high school or if their high school team that if their high school doesn't have a high school team called Alabama elite, um, that's another great option. Um, but again, it's about the kids and some kids may have a better experience playing high school, um, whether the player, you know, I know I've, I've had players who just played high school and gone off to play, you know, at a D2 or D3 school. And I've had players who've, you know, played club and said, you know, I can play here or there and, or I'm not going to play, um, you know, in high school, I'm going to play Alabama Elite. Whatever it may be, um, again, I just think we have to put our egos to the side. And I, I think the argument and the debate, I get what people, some people are saying because there are some, you know, schools where they're just throwing teachers out there and saying, hey, go kick this ball around for an hour and a half at practice. I've never touched a soccer ball in a day in my life. Um, and we're going to show up and we're going to play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Game day. Um, 
and hey, you got some club coaches that do that. Sure. <laughs> hey, you know what? Sure. Well, let's, just, let's go out here and just play. Um, but I, I, I get, I get, I, I guess I understand it. Um, but I think we're gonna have to, you know, again, let go of the egos and come together and figure out how can we make the product better, rather than just saying, okay, high school is just awful. Because the truth of the matter of fact is, some players can't afford club, or some players don't want to travel as much, and especially in the South, uh, where football reigns, uh, a lot of people go to football games on Saturday, so they could care less about going to a club soccer game, right. you know, or a club tournament. Um, so how can we make the product better? I think that's the question that we should be turning to. How can we make the product better? What can we do to make the product better? And how can we be better as teachers and coaches to continue to improve that product? I, fantastic answer. And uh, I, there's a couple different ways I, I think I could go here. Um, so he touched on it a little bit. Um, and I wonder if it's almost tied together in some way. Uh, so I had a conversation with uh, another set of guests and talking about an, an inclusive versus exclusive soccer culture. And yeah. what does that look like, you know, in our country? Because, I mean, literally, you need a ball and a surface to play our, Absolutely. you know, to play our game, right? And so Absolutely. there are players that I've worked with uh, at the grassroots level uh, before I moved to the club level that, um, you know, uh, financially struggle uh to play or to afford the club level and so mm -hmm. in some ways uh they've been priced out and that's you know not a criticism of anyone um mm -hmm. and so how do we uh i guess come together you know to, to work through some of these issues because i feel like we are leaving some folks behind and i feel Absolutely. like you know there there's players and um male female that uh have enormous potential but for whatever reason, they either then gravitate to another sport or, uh, you know, they, they don't necessarily feel that they're getting the most out of their soccer experience because of, uh, you know, a, a financial situation or something like that. So um, I wonder if you've encountered that uh, in your career and uh, how do you sort of navigate that with a player or a parent? Yeah, and a lot, a lot of people, you know, they go to clubs and say, well, they're just money grabbers, but. I, I think, you know, I encourage parents, you know, families to be understanding it. There is there. Unfortunately, there is a business side, you know, of running a club or even in high school, there's a business side as far as, you know, paying referees, facilities and all things of that nature. Um, but I think, like you said, I think it becomes a huge problem when we leave out some of our top talent um, simply because of finances. Um, and Personally, you know, I've sat down with coaches and um, been, you know, thinking of ways where we can, you know, possibly start something to where we can help those who are less fortunate, you know, um, whether it be, you know, clinics every week or free training sessions or whatever. But I think it's, you know, it's comical is that we want to improve the game, but there's nowhere for you to go play. Um, um, there's nowhere for kids to, you know, whereas overseas and Europe or whether it be, you know, Central America or South America is these kids are going out and playing, you know, um, and they have places to go play. And it's not, you know, cops are not coming and say, hey, get off the field or, Phil Marshalls or whatever, saying, hey, you, you can't mess up that grass. We're 
<laughs> Shocking enough, he can't mess up the turf. Um, <laughs> he, he, he can't be out here. Um, but I think, again, I I feel like at some point we've lost the focus um, of, of the game, um, um, the love of the game. I think it's become more about wins and losses and numbers and elite hey, saying we are elite or saying we, you know, we have this program and this program. Um, and it's not, you know, bashing any club. I, I just think all of us, honestly, we have to realize there, there are a lot of players who are not being reached. Um, and I, I wish I had an answer as far as the perfect plan. I don't. Um, but the, the, you know, the pay to play is hurting us a lot. Um, I, I wonder I, if uh, something you had mentioned earlier maybe contributes a little bit to this, uh, and I will share a little bit about my experience. Um, so I, I really liked what you said, Nick, about the ego of coaches, mm. and uh, sometimes they are as big as a you know a American <laughs> football stadium, right? Um, <laughs> and some of those folks are, man. Uh, in some cases, they're almost impossible to be around. Um, because they will tell you every great thing they've ever done, you know, in the history of the game. And, uh, you know, they'll lead you to believe that they were, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Sir Alex Ferguson or, uh, you know, one of the great managers of all time. Um, and so it, for me, it seems that they fall into two camps. Uh, so many of the folks that I've been able to connect with, and I would put you and the folks that have come on this show into this camp, that sort of have this idea and, and similar philosophy to, to what I have of we're all in this together. Absolutely. How can we move this forward? You know, uh, you're in your situation, I'm in my situation, but yet we all have a common goal. You know, we're all playing yep. the same sport. And, um, you know, the willingness for people to talk openly about that has been really refreshing. I've mm -hmm. also found, um, you know, a, another group of coaches that, uh, that when I've reached out to them, to say, hey, you know, would you be interested in coming on the show? Or, hey, could I come watch your training session sometime? You know, I'm not, I'm not trying to steal anything or whatever. I just want to see sort of how you run your sessions. You've had some success mm -hmm. at your club. I'm, I'm just genuinely curious. And they treat that as if it is the highest of classified information, <laughs> you know, top secret government clearance, uh, you know, who are you with? Why are you here? And in many cases, it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, in most yeah. cases, they say, you know, hey, we would love to have you come out, but dot, dot, dot. And I, I wonder, you know, like I said, uh, if, if the ego, uh, and it could be of coaches or clubs or whatever, is what actually is getting in the way of us moving the conversation forward as a yeah. country. And, you know, currently where I am, the club where I'm with is I, I'm so thankful for, you know, our director of coaching and executive director is you know, they are open for, you know, our co our coaching staff to come watch their sessions or our coaching staff in general, you know, we do go watch others' tra training sessions. We learn, you know, we, we talk about what works for them, what works for us. And that that is honestly why I love, you know, where I am currently. And I'm so thankful for the opportunities because I can, you, you never can stop learning, you know. Um, and for coaches, you know, who have been in those areas and they, you know, have success or whatever it may be, I think if they can start realizing, you know, they have the influence and not, you know, so continue to feed their ego or, or whatever it may be and say, Hey, 
maybe they are trying to learn to improve the game rather than where are they trying to do, why are they trying to steal my, you know, passing pattern to go or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, I think that is kind of where the gap is as far as people who've been in the game longer um, are not very open a lot of the time, not everyone, but a lot of the time are not very open to, hey, yeah, you can watch my training session or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and again, it just kind of comes down to the egos. Um, and again, that's why our, our executive director I, and our director of coaching, I, I'm i sure they won't say it, but I'm sure they get annoyed at me sometimes because I'm always, you know, trying to learn and asking questions. And I, I have two good buddies um, who coach ECNL and, and RPL Champions League in our club. And I'm always watching their training sessions and they're watching mine and we're co- working together and learning from one another and that's that's what honestly we need um we need for you know our older coaches to invest in you know the people who are up and coming um not for again for ego purposes but for the game to continue to improve um especially i think honestly if you have had success with older teams and or you're older i think you should start coaching the academy age um seven eight nine and ten year olds because um, it starts at the foundation. And if we don't have our best coaches, you know, coaching the kids when it's fresh or new, then when they get to 16 and 17 and they're used to, again, whatever, pinging the ball over the top or bad technical skills or bad tactics, and then it's very hard to break a habit that they've been used to for eight years, you know, mm-hmm. um, until they get up to that age. So I, I think the older coaches, more experienced coaches that have been in the game for a long time, um, start investing in the younger coaches, start investing in coaches that who are, who are up and coming and go out there and coach younger kids. Help us improve the game. Nick, I was going to say, I, I know you and I have traded uh, a, a few messages, but man, you're, you're definitely in, inside my head here because uh, <laughs> so it, it, it's so funny. I, I write down ideas for, uh, for the podcast all the time. And, um, you know, most of the time I, I like to have guests on, but one of the every once in a while, I like to put out an, an episode where I just sort of, uh, you know, talk about a particular issue. And one of the ideas that I've written down was why we need our best coaches coaching at the academy or youth level. And uh, man, you're, I mean, like I said, you're inside my head on this one. It's uh, that's absolutely fantastic. So um, I want to go uh, a, a slightly different direction. So okay. for us as coaches, uh, we often, you know, define success, a, a very tangible way to define success, I should say, is by wins and losses, you know, results on the score sheet, that sort of thing. Um for you, what does success look like for your players? Um, what, you know, when you walk away after a season, you go, well, okay, maybe our record was or wasn't where we wanted it to be, but we had a successful season because of these, you know, five or six reasons. Uh, what are some of those reasons for you? Yeah. Um, you know, I had a, a team last year. We, I mean, we weren't horrible or anything. We, we had low numbers, um, you know, because once they get to the the senior year, they they're not playing in college. They, they're <laughs> you're doing good to get in the college games, but in practices. But I think as far as players, you know, and being successful is, are they enjoying themselves? 
Um, because I, I don't want to, you know, go – I would rather go 0-20, kids learning to do things the right way, becoming better individuals both on and off the field than, you know, going 20-0, and and they're just miserable. Um, you know, you meet kids who – I mean, it's become a job for them, literally. I mean, and they just hate it. Um, and I think measuring success for me as a coach and, and with my teams is, are they enjoying themselves? Did they learn to play the right way? Um, did they improve on their technical skills from, you know, what, if it's a club season from August to December? Um, did they, you know, make those new friends? Did they, were they challenged um, off the field? Um, were they challenged on the field? And those things, again, looking at the game, soccer's fun. It's, it's very important to me. I wouldn't be where I am without it. Um, but life is so much bigger. Um, and that's why I harp on those things with my players. Um, so I want a player to me to come up and say, Coach, I just want you to know I really enjoyed the season. Um, not because of anything that, you know, specific, you specifically did, but just, you know, I love being around my teammates. I love that we were challenged. Um, I love that we were, you know, having those fun times, those silly times off the field. I love that we were successful on, on the field. We may not have the best record. But are you becoming the best you? Um, and, that, and that's really big for me. And I, I measure success by that. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I'm, I smile ear to ear. I absolutely love it um, when my players say, hey, I'm verbally committing here. Um, or, you know, they're going to go play so-and-so or they're going to go study so-and-so and become this, become that. That's awesome to me. Um, seeing them happy is, is, is enough, enough success for me. Um, but they're miserable and just going through the motions and something needs to change. Yeah, no, I love the, uh, again, I think the theme of our conversation, just the, uh, the impact that, you know, you're having on their lives. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, wins and losses are important uh, for sure, but it's so much more, uh, you know, than that. And um, like you said, when they, I mean, I almost use the word retention, that if a player is excited to come back and continue playing and, and be a part of the process, then, you know, we as coaches are, are doing something right. So, um, you know, there's something really powerful uh, about that for sure. So um, a, a question that I like to ask uh, everybody that, that comes on the show. So what are we doing right and what are we doing wrong uh, in terms of soccer culture within the U.S.? Hmm. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll go with the wrong. Um, I think I, I, it kind of comes down to what I said earlier about the coaches' egos. Um, I, I just coaching education. Like I, I, I get you know. I, I, again, I understand this business side to everything, but it is so daggum expensive. Um, you know, and and time consuming. Whereas you know, a lot of our club coaches or high school coaches or whatever it may be don't work full time for the club, so it's very hard for you know, whether it's a C license, B license, or whatever. It's very hard to take a week or two off plus pay 
you know, thousands of thousands out of your own pocket. Um, I wish I had an answer to it, but I, I, I mean, I don't, but I wish we could, you know, sit down and figure out, hey, um, if we want to continue to improve this game, you know, our coaches need to continue to train them, um, develop more as coaches. And it's just, it's just so hard um, as far as, you know, coaching education is so expensive. Um, and then with coaching, again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Our older coaches have to be more welcoming and opening, open, sorry, um, to one another. Um, then the last thing is, look, there are so many stinking leagues in this country. I mean, USYS, US Club, it's just like, man, DA, Eastern I'm just like, can we just <laughs> come together? <laughs> And figure, I, I just get lost in the names and everything. NPL, RPL. I mean, it, it's just a lot. Um, and let's be honest, what does it all kind of come down to? Well, egos, or well, finances, and, and you know, money. And well, I play this, I play that. Um, it's just, it's just a lot going on. Um, and the philosophies are kind of just everywhere. Um, they kind of fluctuate. And I think if we could, you know, U.S. soccer, whatever it may be, come together and figure this thing out, we'd be in a lot better, you know, situation than we are now. I'm not saying we're in a horrible situation, but I feel like we can do a lot more than what we're doing, um, especially, again, with the coaching education um, and that nature. As far as doing things right, um, the competitive nature is there. Obviously, the facilities are you know top notch, in, in a lot of areas. The showcases, as far as getting to the college level, um, and getting kids exposure is is a great opportunity for them. I think fantastic. Um, I would like for us to you know expand the college season um, to not just the fall, make it year round. I would love for that to happen, and I would love for us to have you know, as being professional, um, relegation um, and promotion, promotion and relegation, because um, there's just something about, you know, every game matters, and sometimes it doesn't, because, hey, at the end of the day, I'm still going to be getting this money or whatever. Um, I think, honestly, from the time I played, um, last played seven years ago, whatever it has improved um, on the club side. Um, it has improved, like I said earlier, on the high school side. But we we got a long way to go, um, and I, I'm confident. I, I'm glad to see where we're going. Um, but again, it kind of just boils down to: can we let go of? Well, I'm going to do this because I'm so and so, or I have this license, or whatever it may be, um, can we get over that fact and, again, realize that it's about the kids and about the love of the game? Nick, you're uh, you're making way, way too much sense, man. <laughs> 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 and, and that's why, uh, yeah, man, we should – oh, God. Everything you said there, I'm like, yes, 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 <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I, I really, really like what you said about sort of the, the alphabet soup 
that is, especially the youth game. Um, yeah. And the comparison that I would make, right? So um, I had a number of friends growing up, and, and I played uh, played basketball, <laughs> albeit not very well, but played basketball. <laughs> and many of them played AAU. So yep. even if you explained to a non-basketball fan, they would at least have some recognition of what AAU is. Yeah. Uh, trying to explain to a non-soccer fan the alphabet soup that is youth, uh, youth soccer in this country, I mean, it, it makes your head spin. And yep. it is incredibly difficult. And people are like, well, <laughs> well, hold on. Isn't that similar to this? And isn't that similar to that? And blah, 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 blah. In a lot of ways, it is, you know? And yeah, uh, like I said, man, just making a whole lot of sense. So, uh, and, I, and I love the, the thought on promotion and relegation. So shout out for that one, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So if, uh, if folks want to connect with you and uh, follow you along in your uh, coaching journey, uh, your experiences, um, what is the best way for, uh, for folks to give you a follow? Yeah, uh, I'm always on Twitter and Instagram. Um, uh, my Twitter name is at Coach Nick H. And then my Instagram name is, what is my Instagram name? Coach Nick H. So um, both the same. And I'm constantly posting about my teams and you know, the game. I'll probably hear now fuss about Alabama football. So just bear with me on those Saturdays that they play. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but for the most part, it's about soccer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was uh, say, unless but... no, we throw an interception or we're not running the ball. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll give you a pass on that one because I, I grew up in a very uh, American football, uh, you know, influenced uh, area here in the Pittsburgh yeah. area. And uh, yeah, I, I said a few things at the TV when the Steelers were playing lately. And so uh, college football isn't, uh, well, I should take that back. I mean, college football is fairly popular here too. And yeah, um, it's, you know, uh, so. it's a religion down here. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> So, well, uh, Nick, I can't thank you enough, man, for uh, absolutely coming on the latest episode on the touchline. And um, I really hope is that if I've told all the guests that have come on the show that uh, you and I have a chance to meet in person sometime. And I feel like we could probably talk for hours because uh, absolutely. I, I definitely could talk for hours. I, I've enjoyed it, honestly. My sincere thanks to Coach Nick Holt for jumping on the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. I have a feeling that Nick's future is going to be incredibly bright. So Nick, I wish you all the best uh, in your soccer journey and hope to have you back on uh, sometime soon. You can connect with me on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, at SoccerCoachJB, and direct messages are always open for ideas for future guests, or folks you would like to see on the podcast, or even if you're interested in, in coming on the show and, and talking more, uh, certainly I would be up for that. So please reach out to me at any time. Don't forget that every Wednesday, a new episode of the On the Touchline podcast will show up in your feed. So make sure you subscribe to the show. And I have some really, really great guests coming your way here as we get into 2019. I think you'll like the range and diversity of guests that we have on the show. So uh, thank you again for your support. 
This has been the On the Touchline podcast, and until next time, I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Thank you.